Well, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's nice to be back after a, a week away, preaching in another church of a dear friend of mine who's about to become a minister there. So it was good to be there and help him out and meet the, the family that he's about to, to shepherd. Um, but there's nothing like your own church family, so I'm glad to be back amongst you all today. Well, we're continuing in Ephesians 5 this morning, so please do turn to there. Um, if you've got a church Bible, it's on page 978, Ephesians chapter 5, and our passage is from verses 1 to 21. Um, and because it's maybe been a while since we were in Ephesians, I thought I'd just give us a bit of a, a reminder or a refresher. And I was just saying to the kids out there, actually, I think I can sum up the outline of the message in six words, six chapters, six words. You're in Christ, live like it. You're in Christ, live like it. So chapters one, two, three, you're in Christ. Paul is saying, when we're a Christian, everything about who we are, everything of what we have is in Christ. And so... Chapter 4, 5, 6, live like it. If, if everything of who we are and everything we have is in Christ, it, we should reflect him in our life. You know, so if I weirdly always lived in a spacesuit and I said, I'm going to meet you for coffee, and you walked into Costa or whatever, you would recognize me by seeing some weirdo in a spacesuit. You know, so what, who you're in... We're in Christ. You should reflect him in some way. And so this, this morning in chapter 5, we're going to be looking at how Christ is the Son of God. And Christ is a good and faithful Son to the Father. And he also loves his brothers and sisters that the Father has given him. Christ is a Son who loves the Father and his brothers and sisters. And so for us, if we're in Christ, we should be a good and faithful child of God. A child of God who loves God the Father and loves our brothers and sisters. So let's take a look. Follow me as I read chapter 5 from verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul's talking about Jesus' death on the cross, his sacrificial death. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. 
Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. One of Jesus's most famous parables is from Luke 15, and we often call it the prodigal son or the lost son. And it's about a father who has two sons, and one of them decides that he wants his inheritance money now, immediately, even though his father is, is living. So the son takes the money and he abandons his duties, his place in the household, and he leaves an empty place at the meal table. And he carelessly walks away from his father and from his family. But one careless decision leads to another, and his careless lifestyle leads him into ruin. He now has nothing and he manages to find a job working as a pig farmer, or for a pig farmer. But he's so desperately poor, so desperately hungry, he can't even afford a packed lunch for work. And so he ends up desiring the pig food, and no one will even give him that. And so the son, who rejected his seat at his father's table in his father's home, is now denied a place even at the pig's trough. And the thing is, this is who we are before Christ finds us. But when he does, he takes us home to God the Father, and the Father welcomes and loves us as his children. We have a place at his table in the, in the family and in the household of God. And in our passage this morning, Paul says in verse 1 and 2, because we're God's beloved children, we should walk in love. 
At the end of verse 6, he contrasts God's children with the sons of disobedience. And verse says, do not partner with them. Verse 8, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so Paul says that as God's children, we must walk as children of light. And in verse 15, walk as wise. As children of God's household, we're called to walk like his children. And in this passage, that's in three ways. Walk in love, as light, and as wise. The problem is, the only person to have walked this way was the Son of God himself. Left to our own devices, we would all just fall away like the lost son in the parable. And so the key this morning is to ask God our Father to help us become more like his son. Only then can we walk like God's children. So if you see on the sermon outline on the back of the the order of service, point one, verses one to six, God's children walk in love. Now, most, most popular books that you'll read about love, they, they tend, to, tend to start off fairly similar by saying that love is, like, is, a, is a verb, it's a doing word, it's something that we do and we learn, you can't just expect to, to, to know how to do it. Now, for Christians, when we look to God and we look at the way he loves, that's how we learn to be loving. We look to God and the way he loves, and that's how we learn to do love, to be loving. Look at verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Out of love for his father... The son went to the cross, and out of love for his brothers and sisters, he gave his body. And Paul says, look, this is how the son of God loves. And so God's children must also walk in this kind of love. In other words, be imitators. That's what he says in verse 1. Be imitators of God. Now, imitation is is lovely when our children imitate us most of the time. But I wonder if you know that imitation is also a, a powerful tool in marketing and advertising. Companies don't advertise their, their product. They advertise the people that you could become with their product. They show you a person to imitate because it's far more powerful than just seeing a product on its own. So famously, when Apple first launched the the Macintosh, they released this really powerful commercial of a a woman running along and throwing a sledgehammer, uh, supposedly breaking down suppression uh, and control. And Apple was suggesting, well, if you buy the, the, the Macintosh, you could be such a revolutionary. So they advertised a person to imitate. Do you see that? 
very powerful, but it's also very dangerous for that reason. So if we imitate the wrong person, we're not going to end up in the right place. And so that's why Paul directs our attention, our, our gaze to God, the imitators of God. And the Son of God always looked to the Father, and he always trusted his Father's love. And, his, and this love, it, it poured out from the Son, poured out onto us. But we have to confess and acknowledge that uh, as Christians today, we still struggle. Sometimes we choose how to measure the Father's love, and we become cynical. We doubt his fatherly care for us. We, we don't even look to him sometimes. We just accuse him. How could God let this happen if he really cared? We don't look to him, and then we'll look away, and then we'll stop imitating him. We're called to love in a godly way. If we look away from God, if we reject his love for us, soon we, we quickly become ungodly and loveless in our behavior. Consider how the Bible gives us a, a history of God's son and walking in love. First, there was Adam. How did he walk? Well, he doubted God's instructions. He looked away from God and he walked humanity off a spiritual cliff. And then God declared the people of Israel as his son. He brought them out of slavery from Egypt. He promised them a, a land, a life, but they doubted God's provision and care, and they walked in grumbling disobedience. Then God declared David his son. But when David looked away from God and to the desires of his heart, well, he walked in to the bedroom of another man's wife. God's son has a history of failing time and time again to walk in love. And on our own, we would fall in, in line with this history. And I imagine that the Ephesians are in danger of doing this. That's why Paul sets out uh, a rebuke, if you like, in verses 3 and 4. Take a look. But sexual immorality and all impurity or, or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. When we decide how we're going to treat sex and marriage, how we're going to speak to people, how we're going to treat people, we're putting what we want above what God wants. And what we want by nature what a sinful heart yearns for. It's not proper among saints. Such loveless behavior, it's out of place. We should be constantly offering thanks to God, not obsessed with pleasing ourselves, overwhelmed by God's love and care for us. But instead, at times, we become ungodly and careless to others. Harsh words, hurtful jokes, 
acting the fool. These are not fragrant offerings to God. And as we look out the world, we, it would be easy to think, well, actually, God doesn't really care about that stuff anyway. You might be tempted to say, look at how the world has kind of moved on from this old-fashioned Bible love. But Paul says in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Empty words. For those outside of Christ who reject the Father, he has for them his wrath. They have no inheritance in the kingdom. They are the lost son. So then Paul is saying, don't behave like those sons of disobedience. You're children of God, who he loves. You're joined to the Son of God. So walk in that kind of love. So why don't we? What's the, what's the problem? Why, why can't we do this all the time? Well, Paul is writing to a church that are in testing times. And the Ephesians face all manner of problems as individuals and as a church family. But the problem isn't in the testing. It's in the response. I imagine Paul raises these things because their response has not been walking in love, but stumbling in disobedience. And today, it's, it's not only us at Edinburgh North Church, but all Christian churches across Scotland and the world who will have to face testing times. And that's okay, because it's in how we respond that's really important. Now, it's, it's okay and it's biblical to lament, to lament and cry out to our Father saying, we're struggling, that's okay but to turn away from him entirely or accuse him of not having a hand in everything that happens and always doing things from his love for his children, well, we're already stumbling. The wrong response to testing times causes us to stumble. Instead of seeing God as the solution, we feel he's the problem. In testing times, we're, we may be tempted to find comfort and care, not in God our Father, but in all the wrong places. And I wonder if you noticed how some of those wrong places that, that Paul mentioned, they're not just limited to hurting us, ourselves as an individual, but they hurt others as well. Now, maybe the examples in this section, you know, aren't our thing. But if we're stumbling, there'll be something. And you can guarantee it's not just harming us. What we need to do, then, is trust that if we're stumbling, our Father is there to pick us up. Instead of turning away, we can reach out to him. Just as when I'm, I'm walking with Mia, if she feels like she's going to stumble, She'll just reach out a hand without even looking or thinking. She just knows my hand will be there. But there's also times when she gets too far away from me and she falls. And I hope she knows that 
it won't be long because I'll be on my way to pick her up. And that's true for God's children and God the Father. We confess that sometimes we stumble, especially under the pressure of testing situations, but we can reach out knowing that God our Father's hand is already there, ready, ready to get us walking again. And if today you feel like you've fallen, I hope that you know that you can call out to him and he'll come to you. At all times, all of us really should pray to our Father and saying, make us more like your son. And what God does by his implanted word within us is he, he reorders what we love as Tim Keller often taught and Augustine before him, we need our loves reordered to love God the most. And that's what God does. He, he reorders what we love in a way that makes us more like the Son. We trust the Father's love and we love him back. And we love the brothers and sisters that he's given us just like the son. The son who walked a far more difficult walk than, than any of us face, a walk that led him to Calvary, to be nailed to his cross, and yet he trusted his father loved him and gave himself up for us. That's walking in love. Point two, point two, God's children walk as light. We're called to walk as light. Now, in this second section of our, our passage, verses 7 to 14, Paul contrasts light and darkness. Light that produces good and pleasing fruit, contrasted with unfruitful darkness. So, walking as light, it means producing good fruit. And the challenge is then, how do we do that? even in the darkest of places. In the, in the language of the Bible, fruit is used as a metaphor for producing something that brings glory to God, something that pleases him. And Paul uses this metaphor in his other letters. He says things like this. He says, because we belong to the resurrected body of Christ, we can bear fruit for God. That's how it's possible. And he says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what fruit looks like. And he talks about, as well, how the gospel, when we proclaim and share the gospel, it bears fruit. It increases wherever it's proclaimed. But here's the thing. Only children of God can produce this good fruit. So if you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian, you haven't come to Christ, you haven't given your life to him, so it's, it's lovely that you'd want to, to do all these things, to be loving, joyful, peaceful. But it's just not possible to really bring glory to God in that way. 
Not unless you've come to him. Because then God puts his spirit in you. And then it becomes possible. The sons of disobedience, who, who Paul has uh, is already set up as a contrast, they're in darkness without the spirit. And they produce shameful things that he refuses to even mention. So Paul says, verse 7 and 8, Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then notice verse 9, we're given these, these three words, three little words to describe the, the fruit. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Walking as light produces fruit of goodness, of righteousness and truth. Now, these three things, these simple words, they should be seen in our lives at all times and in all places. And in a church, they should be seen if we are, as a church, walking in light. And so really, people should think, ah, ENC, the orchard of goodness, righteousness, and truth. And in verse 10, well, Paul, he's not saying just give it a go and, you know, maybe God will pat you on the back. He's calling for passionate gardeners to, to, to work in that orchard who want to roll up their sleeves because they're excited about producing this fruit. And such gardeners, they, they spend time daily meditating on God's word in prayer. They're intentional in all their conversations their work, their responsibilities, their chores. They take every opportunity to walk as light. The problem is that in a world of so much darkness, it can be really hard. As God's children, we're meant to let our light shine, uh, just as the quotation in verse 14 says, uh, which I, the commentators believe is a, a hymn from the early church. I don't know whether that's true or not, but we do know that Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But we don't always do that, do we? Um, and, and in fact, without God's help, it would be entirely impossible. If we tried to walk as light without God's help, we'd soon just get lost in the dark and would stumble. But what does stumbling and getting lost in the dark actually mean? Well, look at verse 11 and, and 12. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Stumbling is surely to join in with the sons of disobedience and what they're doing in the dark. As children of light, producing goodness, righteousness, and, and truth, we should be exposing these shameful things of darkness, being a contrast, not by joining in, and looking exactly the same way, we should be saying no and, it, and, and taking the opportunity to explain why. 
I think I've told you before, I remember when I, uh, before I was a Christian, I was playing football with a few guys. One of them was a Christian, such a good-looking guy, looked like Chris Hemsworth. He was crazy, crazily good-looking. And we'd go to the pub, and women would literally queue up to speak to him. It was embarrassing. And he just had no interest. And he said, no, and we were like, let's go to a club. No. And I, I couldn't understand why, and he just said it was because he was a Christian. Because God hasn't called him to live like that, to, to act that way outside of marriage. Made no sense to me at all. But it annoyed me. And in time, I soon found out why he did it. And I understood why he did it. And I had a huge amount of respect for him. That in that moment, he would, he would act as a light. That he would act as a contrast. But we can't do it without God's help. We must look to our Father to help us be like his Son. Because if not, we'll, we'll just forget what pleases God. We'll look to what pleases us, what pleases any of the pockets of darkness that are left in our hearts, our sinful desires. And we just become preoccupied with pleasing ourselves. We, we no longer care what pleases God. And again, you know, if we stumble, it's not just ourselves that we harm. The people that have the opportunity to hear that what they're doing might not be right, they miss out on that. They miss out on that opportunity if we don't, if we stumble, if we don't act as light. We could have exposed it, but we joined in. And we also fail our brothers and sisters. You know, those who look to us for guidance, they become misled. Those who are trying not to stumble in a particular way, they might see, see you and, and they're discouraged or they're, they're affirmed in how they're feeling. And this particular duty of care was uh, presented to me by my old minister when I first started dating Fern. He said, uh, he said to me, people are going to look to you guys as an example of Christian dating. Um, and this is true of anyone, but it was especially true because I was on the, the staff team. So what we displayed as acceptable behavior, as godly behavior, others will think that is acceptable and godly. And so if we stumble, it may cause others to stumble as well. Now, Paul's not just trying to terrify Christians from doing anything wrong or going to the wrong places. He, you know, God wants us to be in the world. He wants us to proclaim the gospel, share the good news, to win souls, to grow his kingdom. He's just saying, let's always do it walking in light, producing fruit wherever we go, even in the darkest of places. But how do we do this? The Bible teaches us that Christ was sent as light to shine into the darkness of this world, but Christ was never overcome by darkness. Christ always put what pleased God first. And more than that, what pleased Christ the most was doing what pleases God. So I think if we, if we ask our Father to make us more like the Son, this, this change will happen in us as well. We'll start to see things that, that pleased our sinful heart 
just simply drift away from us. Now, sometimes that won't feel easy. Maybe we'll, we'll panic or get anxious. A bit like dropping your iPhone off the side of a boat as it drifts. That's that thing that we love drifts away. But at the same time, God will replace those things, those old desires, with something new. We'll start to desire to produce fruit, good fruit that is pleasing to God. We'll want to please God. But this can take a a very, very long time. It's a bit like the, the turning of a tide. Have you noticed how on uh, British coastlines, when the tide uh, has gone from fully in to fully out, it takes a long time. And sometimes it reveals things that you couldn't see before. And so as with Christ, when he turns the tides of the desires in our hearts, we may discover more deeply rooted issues about who we are and the sin that remains in us than we ever realized. And that's why at times we won't feel like living in a way that that pleases God. If we keep turning to him for help with this, this process, we'll be able to discern better and better what pleases God in any situation. How does God's word teach me to be good and right and true today? And we do this because we have a great duty of care for ourselves, but for others as well. And so I think the, the two questions that we, you know, the obvious questions we've got to ask ourselves is, where are we not living according to God's will in our lives? And how is this leading others into danger? Now, I'm not going to give you a, a list of, of possible answers, and we can't expect the answers to just pop in our head because these are matters of the, the heart. We must ask the Spirit to search within us, and that takes time, takes a lot of humility and courage, and it takes a lot of wisdom. So before we we bring those questions to God in the privacy of our hearts, let's look to point three for help. Point three, God's children walk as wise. As God's children, welcomed into God's household, we're called to walk as his children. And we've explored how wonderful this can be to enjoy our Father's love, to please him as we produce good fruit. But we've also, we've also said that we come up against problems. There is a danger of stumbling. And so Paul says in verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. This whole passage is full of contrasts. Receiving love as God's children versus the sons of disobedience who receive God's wrath. We're taken from from darkness and we're now in the light. And in this third section, we have unwise and wise. And the wise child of God makes the best use of their time, verse 16. But the unwise fail to see how the days are evil. The unwise fail to see how maybe the devil is using your waste of time as a personal attack against God. Maybe he likes it when God's children just waste their time. The wise child of God is careful. 
how they fill their time, but also how they fill their mind and their bodies. Look at verse 17 and 18. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The wise make use of their their time, they don't waste their days. Instead, they spend time learning God's will for their, their lives. Our minds are renewed. And they don't wreck their minds and their bodies with wine or any alcoholic spirits, including, including whiskey. Instead, what do they do? Well, they live spirit-filled lives. Not filled with spirits, but spirit-filled And this is not just a clever contrast from Paul, because walking in the way God's word calls us to walk is only possible because of God's Holy Spirit within us. When we have a spirit-filled life, we can do the things of verses 19 to 21. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know how home movies, people used to make these home movies before we had uh, iPhones and smartphones. Granddad would get out the big camcorder, film the the birthday or the, the Christmas party, Well, I think these final verses are a scene from the home movie in God's household. This is how God's family celebrate. Spirit-filled worship, singing to one another, giving thanks to God our Father, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Only by the Spirit could we submit to one another. And submitting here, Paul means it's more like something that Uh, a military language of falling in line under the general. So maybe think of when the the general comes around for inspection and everyone's who lined up, suddenly they stand straight in unison, they fall into line. And that word reverence, or, or which is more literally fear, it captures something really important about today's passage. Fear of the Lord, language in the whole Bible, It speaks of an authentic and true acknowledgement from the heart who God is. You may remember the the old children's story, The Tiger Who Came to Tea. It's a great story because it's an impossible situation. A sweet little child sharing a meal with a big and powerful and dangerous tiger. Well, for us as Christians, I think it's more like the lion who took us home for supper. As we take our place at the Lord's table in the household of God, do we not have an impossible situation? The infinite, the holy, the almighty, most powerful creator God, and then people who are just who are born into sin, who instinctively rejected him, and yet sharing a meal together. People have died stepping into the holiness of God's presence. We read about that in the Old Testament. 
And yet we're in, in his household. We're calling him our, our father only because we're in Christ. Only in Christ God adopts us as his children. He puts a new spirit within us. And only then can you, verse 19, make melody to the Lord with your heart. In the, in the Old Testament, we read how Israel were meant to be like God's children, but they were just a, a lost son who rejected their father. They rejected them, rejected him in their hearts. They may have spent time outwardly worshipping, going to church, but no melody came from their hearts. By the prophet Amos, God says, I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. There we go. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. God doesn't want harps. He wants hearts. To walk as wise, to walk as wise is to fear Christ, to acknowledge his power, his authority, his kingship, his place above us, our dependence on him, and it's only possible because God gives us a new heart. With a change of heart, suddenly our eyes will become open. We'll see him, see Christ in fear and trembling, in great reverence, and then we can worship him. We fall in line, if you like, in the army of Christ, working in unity, supporting one another. We leave no man behind, but serve and support each other for the glory of God. But if we don't use our, our minds and our time in a godly way, then our lives will just be filled with waste, not spirit-filled. It's not just us that suffer, but we, we fail each other as well. We fail to encourage, to disciple, to share the good news with others. We're called to walk in love, as light, as wise, for us, but for others as well. We can only do this if we ask our Father to make us more like the Son. Before we finish, let me just remind you that long before that starry night in Bethlehem, when Mary had a, a son, when baby Jesus was, was lying in a manger, long before that, the Son of God already had perfect fellowship with the Father. The Son of God did not come into this darkened world to gain a father, the Son of God came down and he took on flesh and death so he could bring us up into the light to be children of God so we could have the gift of a Father in God. In Christ, we have a Father who loves us, who guides us and wants to spend time with us. In Christ, we can walk as God's children, like his Son, living in God's household. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for sending your, your son, for loving us in the way that he did, 
a powerful sacrificial love. Father, we pray that today you would make us more like your son. We pray that you would help us to, to love, help us to be as light, to live wisely. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.